Hello and welcome to Elixir Talk, your venerable Elixir podcast coming to you from New York City and Los Angeles, California. My name is Desmond Bowie and I am here with Chris Bell. Hey Desmond, how's it going? It's going pretty well, Chris. Uh, sunny and warm here in Los Angeles. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I had a horrible week of having the flu um, post MPEX LA, but now I'm I'm recovered and I'm back at work and things are good. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to be back at work. Yeah, it's also just good to not have the flu. Um, it it was really not fun. So, I was like in a really bad way i had like really horrible fever and i was like in bed for literally i didn't leave the apartment in like six days mm-hmm. um which is a lot of time at home and uh mm-hmm. my wife dana uh in the end was like can you please just leave the apartment <laughs> i think she was a bit fed up of having me around for that long <laughs> so um but yeah, now I'm fine, and it's quite nice to be back in an office rather than working on my sofa. And like, yeah. you know, when you're like working on your laptop for a whole week, and you're like, I really miss having a keyboard and a screen and those yeah. kinds of things. And that it's like the little luxuries that aren't really luxuries, but they make working much much better. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like little details. Uh, specifically keyboards. Uh, we've talked about my affinity for model and keyboards on the show, but like, you know, that's your main interface to the computer. Like we don't have a lot of gadgets um, in this industry. It's like your keyboard, your mouse, your screen. I have one of those Wacom tablets so I can use a a pen to um, like drag around the screen. That's really nice because I just find it easier on the wrist. I'm always amazed that you're able to use the pen to do like everyday kind of operations, but I guess why? I don't know. It just feels like such an unnatural way to interface, but I get that it's you know it's your chosen path, so it's what you do. Oh, it's pretty nice. It works pretty well. Sometimes it gets a little funny if I'm doing like pixel perfect stuff because it's very sensitive to like oh yeah. If I if I'm touching down and dragging something and I want to lift it up like right on those coordinates, it's easy with the mouse because you move the mouse and then you just lift your finger. But the act of lifting up the pen can jiggle it a little bit. Right. So that's a bit of a pain if I'm doing like layout or UI stuff. But for the most part, it's fine. And it's it's kind of nice. You know, you've been holding a pen since you were a little kid. That's true. I uh, I realized I really missed my keyboard. I was like, I know ev- I know this is like a complete trope. And it's it, it like behooves no one to do this at this point. But like... These Apple keyboards, the butterfly ones on the MacBooks, are just so horrendous at points. Like, um, actually, when when we were when we were out in LA, Desmond and I were running a training, and Desmond was using my laptop and jumped on and like started typing. Do you remember how bad that was? Yeah, I was. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, it and like the key stick. I'm like, and I was trying to like work like that for a whole week, and it was horrible. So, um, I have my nice split keyboard, and I feel much better. And it doesn't make my wrists hurt, and that's a big win for me. So cool, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, LA, LA, we're we're fresh off of MPEX LA, so we wanted to give a uh, quick recap of the conference to our listeners. Um, TLDR was a pretty good conference. I mean, I thought we had a bunch of strong talks this year. The theme was real time, uh, which meant we had some talks on live view, some talks on. Ebooks principles, uh, an interesting talk on hardware real time using the GRISP board, which is pretty interesting. But overall, like a, a bunch of strong talks. 
Yeah, great content. Really, really good content this year. Um, great job by a really good group of speakers. Um, I feel like there was like a really good range of topics as well, kind of covered this time. Like, and mm-hmm. I know there was that like skew of live view and uh, like real time apps, but I feel there, there, what there was like three or four talks that kind of lent in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a really good balance, actually. So, um, yeah, I mean, as you know, it's it's tough to whittle down the submissions to like which talks do we want at the thing. And you're trying to not have too much overlap, but also so people can approach the same subject from different ways. Yeah. So finding the right mix was tough because okay, let's say the conference is about real time uh, principles, which of course it was, but then Todd Resedek shows up with a talk about how it's time to embrace Erlang, which is pretty interesting. And Shanti Chalaram put together a talk on high performance data structures, which was yeah, also which super interesting. Great. Yeah. So yeah, you want to have that to like balance out the theme, I think. I, I also want to say, I thought Jesse um, Anderson's talk about scenic was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, scenic for the listeners out there who haven't played around with it uh, is basically a UI rendering library written in Elixir. And Jesse did this, incredible talk where um he basically built a like a 16-bit game using scenic that was like and like we, we were talking about it at the speakers dinner and he was like yeah i built this game blah 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 it's like my e3 demo and i was like oh okay this sounds like it's going to be a little bit janky he gets on stage and like does this demo and it's it's incredible. It was like an. Am- it was. It was it's legit like Final Fantasy. Yeah, it was like all the sprites looked great. Like the menus looked really good. It was, and it was so awesome. He he'd even done all like the little animations for all the characters, like mm-hmm. when you interacted with them and things. And it, it was like, it was so so cool to see Scenic being used in that way. Um, and obviously, like building games in Elixir is kind of a weird thing, but like you know, someone just did it and there's a path to doing it. And I thought that was really inspiring, actually. Yeah, 100%. Because I think once one person does it, then everyone else says, oh, well, I never thought about using Elixir for this, but maybe it turns out to be a really good fit. And so other people follow and then there's this flourishing game development scene. Which... Yeah, I, I don't know how far that will go. But I, I do think like Scenic's a really interesting library based on the fact that, you know, um, I, you actually get some of this nice kind of process oriented way of designing software especially like scene design and doing that using using scenic um mm-hmm. and i think it's i think it's a, it's a really really interesting different way to think about modeling uis um and clearly it looks like a lot of fun as well especially if you're making a game like that so yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah. super cool speaking of fun uh, implementations. Jeffrey Lessel gave a great talk about controlling MIDI devices. Yes, uh, with LiveView, which was great. We, this is some funny behind the scenes stuff. He showed up early because he had this like MIDI drum machine that he needed to wire it in the sound system, and it took them probably an hour to get this thing set up. It's like pretty straightforward hardware device, but the sound system at the venue needed a bit of loving, and so there was just all this work to get the the sound because his computer had sound coming out of the hdmi cable and then there was a separate sound feed from this midi device and then that went into the house system and then also into the uh recording and just like making sure that all worked correctly took it took a long time in the morning we were not sure if this was gonna actually come off but 
it did. He gets up there and he's con- he's controlling the sampler or this drum machine with live view. And, um, you know, you can see the beats like visualized on this dashboard that he wrote. And it was, uh, it was pretty great. And it's, you know, music has a long history at MPEX yeah. with our live musicians and now our live electronic musicians. So, well, we also had that great talk about, um, the, the break thing. What's that? What was that beat? Do you remember that talk? Oh, it wasn't the Amen break, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah, one yeah. talk that was all about that, and it was like really, really awesome, and all about scheduling. And um, Geo's talk mm-hmm. like kind of reminded me a bit of that as well. So, um, I thought it was it was it was like really interesting to see uh, again, like Elixir using these kind of weird out there ways. And I always really enjoy when it all comes together, and there's like a the talk finishes on this like really great high point of bringing the demo together and just like mm-hmm. visualizing it. And I always think that's great. So, so speaking of demos, can we talk about Michael Reese getting up with that airplane? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael Reese is giving a talk about uh nurse takes to the sky and about how he built like a guidance system for this model airplane based on nerves. So he's talking about it. He's talking about it. And at the end of his talk, he pulls out this airplane, which is probably like two feet long, you know, two foot wingspan. Like it's, it's not a small thing. And he's like, all I have to do is point it at someone. And then it kind of homes in on him and and the, the tail rudder like aligns. So it, you know, has the right trajectory. And then he's like, someone stand up. And so someone in the back stands up and he's like, hold still. And he's kind of like pointing the airplane at this guy, waiting for it to lock onto his position. And, like, we're all waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, you know what's coming. Like, five people have popped up and they're pointing their cameras at it. And then he throws the airplane and it goes whizzing across the, uh, whizzing across the audience. Uh, I don't think it hit its intended target. Spoiler alert. It (laughs) nailed someone next to him. But just, like, when he pulled out the airplane and I thought, oh, my God, this thing is going to go flying across the room. Who knows what's going to happen? I thought, yeah, this is Apex. You were just thinking about your insurance liabilities, right? I wasn't worried about it at all. I was like, this is great. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. I hope the airplane no. explodes. I, I, again, I think that's like seeing nerves in that way. And like this, I, I think the really nice part about that talk was how, um, and we, we're going to link to all of these in the show notes as well, folks. So um, I just thought the really nice part of that was how he had this, this feedback cycle with his kids, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, we want the plane to do this. And then he would go away and implement it. And then they would go and play with it the next day after he's like coded in the evening to like figure out how to turn what the kids wanted into reality. And I thought it was this like really nice way to bring someone else's hobby into the realm of like something that your kids would understand. And doing that with a hardware project always seems a bit, I don't know. Every time you do hardware, it's always like a lot more tangible anyway, um, rather than just like, hey, I made this web app. Uh, you know yeah and talk about user requirements it's like oh <laughs> yeah. my kids think this will be fun so yeah i, I thought it was it. really cool so I, I and like again it's one of those things i always enjoy those nerves talks where it's like oh all you need is these six things and you just put it together and then you can have a flying plane and i'm like this is great i would <laughs> i can't do this but i really appreciate the fact that other people want to do this so yeah. i think if you didn't live in a tiny new york apartment this would be more plausible it does feel like there is this trend of suburban people in the Elixir community who mostly build these projects about like, I needed a new sprinkler system at home or something. And they're all like kind of like the intersection of doing hardware and DIY and uh, home mm-hmm. improvement, basically. Mm-hmm. 
And it feels like that's basically, sorry, nerves community, but it feels like some of the nerves community is very <laughs> centered around that, which is great. I think it's really cool. But uh, yeah. it's it's empowering to build something that you're going to use. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And then the like scratching your own itch kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of cool. So, Watering your own lawn. Watering your own expression lawn. Expression Yeah. That's it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought that, um, yeah, that it was really cool seeing Nerves talk like that. Um, and then I just wanted to call out um, Jeff Grunwald, who had this talk about like integrating uh, a city in Ohio that he he's working for, a, um, basically working for this like smart city organization um, somewhere in Ohio, I forget at this exact moment. But he was talking about how they were using um, basically like streaming data and ingesting a bunch of data and doing a lot of kind of big data-esque pipelines using Elixir. Um, There was a few AV issues. So if you watch the talk back, you might see some of that. But Jeff did a really good job of kind of trying to stay on track despite the fact that that was happening. Um, But yeah, just like a really interesting talk again about this application of Elixir around something that you would think like i wouldn't necessarily use elixir for something like that based on the fact that i think if you gave that to most data engineers they would be like here's a python library and a queue that i'm going to be utilizing um but they've written this whole toolkit all around um leveraging elixir to do some kind of quote unquote like big data um stuff and and then using uh, Broadway and Gen Stage to do that, and I, I think again, great application of the language in a slightly different capacity than we usually see around web applications uh, or Nerves projects or things like that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Yeah, awesome. So uh, the video should be up by the time this episode comes out. So we'll link to everything in the show notes. They're all up on YouTube. We have a playlist. Um, so definitely dig it. Uh, yeah, awesome talks and. Um, Hope to see you at NPEC soon. Yeah, talking about that, we actually have just announced our MPEX MYC conference. So it's going to be on May 15th, 16th, uh, 15th for the training, May 16th for the conference. Uh, tickets are now on sale. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. It is going to be our fifth year. Can you believe it's our fifth year, Desmond? Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> We've all grown old doing this thing, so... I, it it feels kind of unbelievable to me thinking like five years ago we all met up and we were like ah oh, it would be cool if we, there was like another regional conference in New York um, and then we made that reality and then five years later we're still kind of doing this thing so mm-hmm. uh, and then it turned into another conference and a podcast and all this other stuff so I I, I want to do some things to kind of celebrate the fact that it's our fifth year I think that's a huge milestone for us as a conference um, we the organizers put quite a lot of time and effort and energy um into trying to make this like the best possible conference so i'm like yeah i'm excited to kind of celebrate a bit of that and kind of reflect back on the last five years of doing this thing as well so we had a lot of learnings you know running conferences is not easy at times Mm -hmm. um but it's been really 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 fun so gonna make it our best lineup ever um the cfp is actually still open as well so as always, like we love to hear from people doing some really interesting things with Elixir, like those projects that we just told you about. If you're dabbling or you're thinking of dabbling or you want to use a talk to figure out how you can make something a reality, um, 
doing that whole torque-driven development kind of thing, then now is a great time to put in a torque for MPEX NYC. Um, and also, like, if you ever need help coming up with torque ideas or just fleshing something out, like, Desmond and I both are available and can help in that regard um, and would be very, very willing and open to do that. So, if... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter if you're curious about, I mean, people ask me, like, I want to submit a talk, but I'm not sure what's interesting. Like, is it cool if I ask you? Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we want talks to be good, too. Like, we're happy to help you out, uh, give suggestions, even look at slides. Like, you know, I guess not a lot of people have their slides done ahead of time. But, like, if you want coaching on a talk, we're happy to do that. Just, yeah, let us know, like. When the community does well, then we do well. Absolutely. So I'm I'm excited. Feeling very good about this year. So uh, 2020 is going to be a big conference year for us. So yeah, there we cool. go. So. 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 What else? What's been happening in uh, the world of Desmond and Elixir programming, hey? Desmond and Elixir programming. I have not been doing a ton of Elixir programming. I have been doing a lot of product work. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So that's been interesting. Because uh, it's kind of difficult to like write a story and also not think about how I would implement it, but also be responsible for the implementation. How deep do you go in with your requirements and things like that? Uh, do you mean how like how like, much do I specify how it should be built? Yeah, uh, more like success criteria and like how granular do you get? Well, I try to write stories with like user facing acceptance criteria so i mean most of our product is an api but we also have an admin interface for various things so stories should either be verifiable on the api like as a client i hit the endpoint with these params and i get this back or uh the client hits an endpoint and then i go in as an admin and i see some artifact or something changed nice are you still a pivotal tracker man no, I haven't used Tracker in years. Oh, um, I thought that was like your jam for some reason. No, um, no, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used it in a while. I think it's a, a fine tool. It's obviously pretty opinionated. I think where it falls down is in its model of um, like staging and acceptance. Like has this idea of a story started, it's finished, it's delivered, and it's accepted or rejected. Right. And that doesn't give us a lot of flexibility in what does it mean for a thing to be in PR merged like deployed to staging then accepted or rejected uh we just need that fidelity for our projects so uh i've been using a service called clubhouse for several oh, years cool. yeah uh i'm pretty happy with it i mean it's it's like trello except for software it's like like the middle ground between trello and jira right uh i wouldn't put <laughs> jira on any of my maps Oh my god. But uh, it's nice because you can define the swim lane so you can create columns for like, I want an icebox, I want a backlog, I want in progress, I want like waiting for PR review, I want in staging, and then I want deployed. And then you can sort of decide which of those means not being worked on, worked on, and, and done. Right. Um, and it's got really nice GitHub integration, which is another, another feature I'm fond of. So yeah, it just... It, does the basics of what we want and it also lets us customize our workflow but not infinitely to the mm. point where you're in just like jira configuration hell yeah so i'm 
I'm in the camp of like I think Jira is not a great tool, but it's it's a good tool for the job. Unfortunately, um, I think I haven't actually played around with Clubhouse. I've heard some really good things, so uh, we should put a link to that in the show notes. And sure. it's weird that we're talking about product management tools. But here we are, folks. It's 2020. Um, yeah. There's also another one called Linear.app, which is like billed as like the lightweight um, Jira, mm-hmm. kind of in the vein of like Notion mm-hmm. um, and this whole heap of like very fast kind of collaboration tools that are coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am very curious to use Linear. Uh, a good friend of mine, Stu, has been using it for some time and has good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm 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 a Jira guy. Like, unfortunately, really? yeah, I hate oh, saying man. that, but like, I'm at this point where I'm like, I know how to set it up, I know how to work with it, I know how to do complex workflows with it. I unfortunately have invested too much of my life figuring that out, but I am here, and <laughs> that doesn't oh, mean to say that I'm not willing to try other tools. But uh, yeah, we're we're using it again, and I'm like, this is fine. And then, the, you know, the absolute worst thing is, like, loading up an issue and I'm like, okay, I want to do this thing. And you're like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for it to load. And it's just, like, it's such bloatware. And they're, like, doing this rewrite into React um, where some of it's clearly, like, old and some of it's new. And that's actually made the performance worse, like, measurably worse. And mm-hmm. now I'm, like at the point where I'm like, this is so frustrating to work with, you know? I just want, like, I go in Jira because I need to do one of, like, three things, like create a new ticket, move a status, or see what my team's doing, right? Like, that's basically it. And I'm I'm like, if there's any delay in me doing those three things, this software is not working well for me. And, like, yeah, that's that's really how I feel about it right now. Yeah, that's why, like, Jira sucks and people don't like to use it. (laughs) I I just didn't want to be, like... I think, like, the Jira sucks trope is, like, there is a lot of software engineers who are just like, I don't like it. And then you're like, okay, what's better? And they're like, I don't know, I don't want to use a ticket system. And you're like, cool, have fun with that. Um, okay, but, but that's that's not what we're saying right now. <laughs> what you're saying is, uh, you know, I like Jira. Like, it works pretty well for me, except it's slow and I can't do the things I want to do and it's kind of clumsy. And it's like, okay, well, that means it's not great software. And yeah. there are other tools for doing this stuff. I, I I totally agree. So I should probably um, commit to trying out a different piece of software at this point and not moan about the speed of Jira. So yeah, like you I'm know, cool with that. other tools have sprung up for a reason because yeah, 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 t- totally. Whatever. I don't want to go off on my Jira rant. But I also think day. like the, the, you know, one other thing I want to touch on while we're talking about this suite of tools mm-hmm. is like wikis and Confluence. Mm-hmm. is actually a, a reasonable tool, unfortunately, for that job of being a wiki. Hmm. Um, which, I don't know how many times, like, I, I've tried to do this in so many different ways, like, put it in, like, some, like, Google Doc, or, like, try and create a wiki and something like that, or try and use GitHub pages or whatever, like, you know, to produce this this living set of documentation that helps you describe and get basically get situated with the project or decisions that have been made on that project right which i think should sit pretty close to your code and however much people are like you don't need that every all your tests and things will describe all your requirements and that's all you ever need 
or it can live somewhere else or something. I'm I'm always like of this mindset of like you kind of end up needing a wiki whatever you do. You oh know? yeah. Oh yeah. totally. And I mean, like I don't know what else is a good tool for that. So we use uh we use Notion at work. Yeah. Which works pretty well. Um yeah, it works pretty well. Uh, I have some beef with the startup times, but it's an Electron app. Like, that's fine. So, interesting, though, Clubhouse is actually working on basically an that. internal notion. Yeah, I saw that today. Like, they're, they're basically doing their own wiki, right? Which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, when they announced that, I thought, this is a this is a great idea. Because, like you said, it's really nice having that stuff just right in with your... Like, right next to your ticketing system, because the two... They go together, and it's kind of weird to like do something in Notion and then copy it into a ticket, or like vice versa. And I can see having some very sweet integrations between like here's a discovery document in our wiki, and then like here are the tickets that came out of it, and here's the pull request, and here's feedback that gets recycled yeah. into product work. Right. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I applied for one of their like beta slots, and I didn't get in, so I can't tell you what it's like. But I like where they're going with it. And if anyone at Clubhouse is listening, please give Desmond access. Hey, that would be sweet. We could use our uh, <laughs> our, our privilege here on the show to, or the rank to get some privilege. Yeah, I doubt they listen to it. I think their app is written in Clojure. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know they're a New York company, but yeah, um, yeah I'm, yeah, anyway, so I'm, I'm like on the lookout for more wiki software and something like uh, I don't know what that means, but I'll, I'll I'll maybe explore Clubhouse and see if we can like get on that beta. Maybe they'll give it to us rather than you guys. So. <laughs> well, uh, what else have you been using? Uh, so this week I actually just set up like app monitoring, uh-huh. uh, which has been on my to do list for like so long, and I've spoken about it on other episodes uh, for those longer term listeners. Um, I just set up App Signal which uh, is, if you're not familiar with AppSignal, it's kind of a out-of-the-box APM solution. Um, I would say that it's less fully featured than New Relic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about all I've got to say about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just bad. Uh, it's yeah. just bad? Is that what you said? No, no, no. I said it's bad that I don't have more to say oh, about oh, it. Um, oh. No, I, I... Okay, so the context here is, like, I have come from a world of, like, very good visibility using Datadog, mm-hmm. um, which, obviously, a lot of work and time and effort goes into to get there, right? Like, you have to instrument a lot of your function calls, or you have to use some kind of tracing library or something like that, right? Um, so, coming from that into this world of AppSignal, I was like... I was just expecting a bit more out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like dropped in the default integration with Phoenix and Ecto, and that's kind of it for the time being. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I can see a couple of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I- I'm just, I'm, I'm already like, I'm not going to use this service long term. I'm just using it right now as a complete stopgap. Because right. I need to deploy something to a production, and I need some visibility. Well, so what do you what do you want? Like, what else? What else do you want? Right. So I want good. Uh, I want. I basically want tracing everywhere. That's mm-hmm. that's the conclusion I've come to these days, which is like, 
I want to see the life cycle of a request and I want to see like how much time is spent. Like, let's say uh, my, my requests are GraphQL requests, right? So I want to see what that request was, how much time was spent in various different parts of the app and how much time was spent like in Ecto land as well um, with queries and then be able to ideally identify some slow queries as a result, things like that. So mm-hmm. I understand where I can optimize. That's basically what I want. Uh, I mean, is there a way to get that out of the box with Datadog? With anything? No, no. This uh, I would say, like the whole open tracing movement, like with um and open census. There's uh, there's a library called Spandex which does some integration there with with the um with tracing. Yeah, like there's still the the like TLDR of all of this is like there's still work, right? Like you have to like. There is application level work to be able to integrate tracing libraries because there have to be hooks and like aspect oriented programming kind of styles around it, right? You have to basically say like, I I, I want to take this function call and I want to I want a span or a trace around that thing, mm-hmm. right? Like when the call starts and when it ends, done. Um, and that means that you have to do work to do it, but. I'm more willing to put in the work to do that with an open source um, kind of standard like open census than I am to do like ad hoc integrations using tools like New Relic or um, AppSignal. You know, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That, I'm basically like, on, on, like at this point where I'm like, I want to use Datadog. I don't have a good path forward to do that at this very moment in time because I can't figure out how to get Datadog running nicely in my Google App Engine environment. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Ops is not my strong suit and I can't really be asked to invest much time in doing it right this second because I have some other things I need to do. So I, I, I booted up AppSignal to just like unblock me and give me visibility. And mm-hmm. to be fair to it, it's done an okay job at that. But I, I want more longer term, you know. I know where I want this to go, and I know that the right tool for the job is probably um, something like Datadog or maybe something like Prometheus with some other dashboards or something as well. So, yeah, yeah. we uh, we're on AppSignal at my company for the same reason. Like it was just a drop in. Hey, we need something to do this job, and it sort of does the job. Uh, I like the error reporting. That's kind of nice. And we have some slick integrations where uh, the app throws an exception. Then we see the nice stack trace in app signal, which then posts it back to Slack and uh, maybe creates a ticket for us in Clubhouse. So that's cool. Um, yeah. I It's easier than like setting up um, exception handling in Datadog, for example. I So I use Sentry for that still. And like, I think Sentry is a great tool for exception handling, but it only does that. And I'm right. okay with spending money only on doing that, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, they are kind of different, a different class of thing, but... Yeah, that's that, so that's what, something I couldn't understand with AppSignal, which is like, it's really cool. And then I'm like, oh, I have my exceptions in here, but I'm like, I don't even need that feature because I'm already paying for Sentry and I've already done the legwork to set that up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Well, so we're at this awkward middle ground because we have AppSignal. We are we're currently hosted on Heroku, um, so we're using <laughs> Paper Trail, but we're also like starting to migrate to Datadog. But we're kind of doing it in fits and starts. So yeah. I've set up Datadog logging, which is kind of nice. Um, 
But now we're in a bit of a holding pattern because, yeah, like you say, to instrument your code is not a like, I'm just going to go in and sprinkle a couple of function calls here. Like you really need to think about what are the metrics that matter to me? How do I capture them um, without littering the code base? And then once you're sending in this data, how do you structure it? first of all, and then how do I create like meaningful dashboards out of it? Because just getting information is not helpful. You need something that's actionable and intelligent. I am convinced at this point that like all of these things, they they just take time, you know? They take time and continuous investment to get something that's good. But there there have to be patterns in what we're instrumenting because we're all instrumenting the same stuff. We want like top level controller sure. level actions response times whatever we want that broken out into uh application code ecto code database timings whatever and so like isn't there something something we can do i mean yeah you still have to annotate which functions you want instrumented but that should be like i have a library that gives me a couple of annotations that i can use yeah sure i think so i think for all of those like out of the box like high level bits of visibility i think that's fine but i think where i was going with the like it takes time is anything that's application specific i i mean first of all you don't really know what you're looking for until it's gone wrong a lot of the time right Mm -hmm. and then like from that process of it going wrong then you start to ideally do post-mortems and then you reflect on why it was wrong and then as a team you build new dashboards and new alerts and new triggers to help you identify the next time it goes wrong right or mm-hmm. ideally preempt that whole process but like you have to go through that cycle in order to get there like mm. you don't you can start off with like you, you you need to start off with like high level i understand there's maybe these areas that are going to be a concern like what you said right which is like controller action controller times things like that and at least being able to I don't know, graph, like, what's your slowest controller or something, right? Slowest mm-hmm. response time or something. But then, like, beyond that, like, I think you can start going ham and, like, instrumenting every single public function call in whatever your, like, context layer is. And that gives you some really good visibility as mm-hmm. well. And then, obviously, you need to do things like um, integration with Ecto just so you can get some visibility into how long queries are taking as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those are already useful things. But I think beyond... Oh, and then the other one, the other classic one that you need, some kind of introspection um, into your job queue, whatever mm-hmm. that means, mm-hmm. you know? I'm guessing you have a job queue. Uh, do we? No, we don't. You don't? No. Okay, cool. Well, you don't need that. Nope. <laughs> not, well, <laughs> not right now. So... I, yeah, and then, like, so... I think basically it's like you don't know how your system, what you need to look for in your system until your systems run for a while, right? Like I think that's a really key thing, which is like, and run for a while doesn't necessarily mean run at scale, but it just means like you need to understand like what the hotspots are going to look like to then be able to like you know make sure you have enough monitoring on them, and you can you can have a good first pass at that, sure. Yeah, but- I mean that stuff to me falls into the bucket of like being domain specific, right. Um, which takes time to understand just as your domain takes time to understand and the application takes time to understand and build out. But there's still a layer above that of like common stuff that there, there should be a drop in solution for this. And as much in this community as we like to avoid magic, uh, I think there is, there is a middle ground 
where you can say, all right, here's my library, like out of the box, I want things like controller level instrumentation, how many database calls are made in each request, what's the time, what are slow spots, like if I identify some key route, like maybe it's the user creation route, and like that has to be fast because it's an early experience, whatever, um, then like the, the overall numbers are going to be the same from app to app to app. And that, sh- that part should be easy. The domain stuff, that's never going to be easy because it's by definition custom. Domain specific. Uh, yeah. But there does seem to be a, like a low bar right now for what you get out of the box versus what you could get out of right. the box. Like, why doesn't it automatically pipe in my VM stats? So AppSignal actually started doing that. They created like these magic dashboards, which oh, is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they just like magically populated, which was great actually. That was good. That, mm-hmm. but that to me is like that's like the easiest thing to that's do table because stakes. like yeah, and also introspecting like the the, the Erlang VM and getting stats on it is actually pretty simplistic. Like, like it's it's not hard for us to do that, and I'm every monitoring needs to have that for the very like minimum, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think what you're talking about, though, is like the combination of telemetry gaining maturity and being spread across a lot more libraries. So we have a lot more hooking points to extract these metrics, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's that plus what we spoke to Chris McCord about on a previous episode where um, we were talking about the power of telemetry plus live view to build dashboards out of the box for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And that feels like something that could be really, really, really awesome as a community. And it kind of feels like that solves some of the, what you were kind of describing there as well. Yeah, because like, if we're talking about, these are just basic things to say every Phoenix project, then like, maybe Phoenix ships with this stuff. And you don't even yeah. have to pipe it to a Datadog or an AppSignal or whatever. Like, no, there's a certain class of thing that you can just see in Phoenix because it exposes some live view endpoint. And that all comes for free because... We get a lot of free stuff in this community. And then, yeah, the deeper level things you have to think about and like, oh, I really need to know like the the cross vector of like this database call to like this application code over time and how that correlates with memory usage because that's specific to my application. Like, yeah, well, now you're in custom metric, custom dashboard territory, which is cool. But like, how can we, in the spirit of live view, like how can we move what's easily accessible how can we make that bubble bigger so that mm. for free we just get more stuff yeah i know i think it's a great move i think it would be a really interesting thing for us to explore as a community um i do think it's like it's it's one of those things which is like i'm sure people would grow out of whatever the default dashboard would be pretty quickly right but like having some way where you could just have like oh this is my dashboard and i can password protector or whatever because it's just like a route right. i mount or something would be really great just out of the box mm-hmm. yeah um, and then presumably that dashboard would be running off of some intermediate layer that instead of pointing the dashboard you just hook into and go to datadogs so that when you outgrow your little dashboard then you can still easily take all these numbers that are feeding it and right you have them, another sync yeah, yeah like exactly. another metric sync that just forwards on to datadog or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that would be great yeah i like the idea a lot I, I i really do and uh i'm hopeful that we might see something based on what chris said and we'll put a link to that previous episode in the show notes as well cool yeah i think we should wrap up there for today folks um you know it's been a great episode of elixir talk we 
touched on some very random things <laughs> like uh, project management tools and Jira opinions. But um, thanks for sticking with us to the end, as always. Uh, By the way, we uh, we don't get any like uh, commissions for talking about like we're not paid to promote these products or anything. We're not paid for anything. No, we're not paid for anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's uh, if you want to sponsor us, you know, you could do that, but we don't expect it at all. But we, you know, we do this because we like doing it. So, but yeah, there is no paid sponsorships here. So, if we uh, overly promote a product, it's because we genuinely like it, <laughs> or so, don't like it, and we're just random. yeah, <laughs> or don't like yeah. it. Yeah. So. Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of Elixir Talk. I've been Chris Bell. I am Desmond Bowie. As always, we'd really appreciate your rating or review wherever you're getting this podcast today. So please go on there and give us a rating of some number of stars, ideally greater than four and less than or equal to five. Um, and if you have any questions, you can reach us at Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash Elixir Talk. Uh, that's the end of the show, folks. So, as always, keep, keep elixir in.